a.m. in New York, 2 p.m. in Johannesburg, and 9 p.m. in Bangkok. Welcome to the Expat Happy Hour. This is Sunday Schneider Bean from sundaybean.com. I'm a solution-oriented coach and intercultural strategist for individuals and organizations. And I am on a mission to help you adapt and succeed when living abroad and get you through any life transition. You might have been there. You have a long day. And finally, at five o'clock, you pour yourself a nice big glass of wine. You take a sip and it's, it's like the edge has been taken off. You drink that wine, maybe while you're getting dinner ready for the family, and then you sit down to eat and maybe you pour yourself another glass. You guys have dinner, it's time to boss the kids around to brush their teeth, and maybe since you're not finished, you bring that glass of wine upstairs with you to finish the good night routine. But you don't know what happened. You realize that you probably killed at least a half a bottle, maybe more, again. You go to bed, fall asleep, wake up suddenly an hour later, and toss and turn all night long. You're asking yourself, is this the wine? Is it menopause? Like what's happening? You wake up tired and you tell yourself that morning, ah, oh, that was stupid. I'm not going to do that again. But the next day when you see five o'clock roll around, you're thinking, God, that was a long day. It doesn't really matter if I just have one more glass. So I'm asking myself, who's been here? I know this is a thing. I know I've been here and I know a lot of my clients have been here. In fact, when I think about the memes that I see on social media, it's like womanhood and wine is practically synonymous, right? Go look at any wine gif or meme out there, which I know I have sent to my friends. And it's like we're celebrating over drinking, And one of the things I've learned about being in the expat context, at least in the circles that I've run in, this is something that can also happen, right? You're invited to events where it is centered on socializing around alcohol, sometimes even midday, morning, or all day long, right? So here's the thing. I think this is an important topic. And I want to have a huge caveat. I am as attached to my Merlot or Pinotage (laughs) as the next person. So I don't really want to go there, but we got to go there, right? And this is why this topic is such an important part of our series. Remember, we talked about this five-part series of talking about what's going on behind the curtain or talking about the things that don't get enough time for coverage among our globally mobile community. So today's topic is over drinking, and I can't think of a better person to invite, but Angela Masenik. She's a founder of Stop Over Drinking and Start Living podcast. She's got numerous Stop Over Drinking coaching programs for women, and it's dedicated to helping high-achieving women address the underlying reasons for overdrinking so they can make permanent changes in their relationship with alcohol while having some fun doing it. So Angela, it is my pleasure to have you here on Expat Happy Hour. Thank you so much for having me, Sunday. What an introduction. So listen, I've got a couple more things I want to brag on you about. Um, I know that Angela has walked this walk, 
right? Angela, she knows the pain of a life of overdrinking and overeating. And thanks to coaching, she has been able to quit drinking, drop the weight permanently, and hasn't looked back. Um, Angela, when she's not coaching, she is um, with other badass women who, and helping them to start live the life of their dreams. And in her spare time, she drinks coffee, runs, hangs out with her husband, her kids, and reads all the latest, and this is what I love, self-help and business books, just like I do, traveling and enjoying your friends. So really looking forward to, um, to having you here. And one of the reasons why I asked you is I love your non-judgmental approach, right? And it's not stop drinking, it's stop over-drinking. What I've done, I did one other podcast and um, it was about the role of alcohol in our lives and in the global mobility community. And at the end, I had a quote about everything in moderation, even moderation. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) so tell me, Angela, how did you get here? How did it come to be that you are focusing on helping individuals stop over drinking? Yeah. Well, that's a good question. And, um, like you mentioned in my introduction there, I struggled with over drinking my whole life. So, you know, it started in college partying on the weekends and all night type things. And then as I moved into more adulthood, getting my first professional job, I was in pharmaceutical sales and advertising, and I was, you know, traveling for the first time and entertaining clients and had an expense budget. And, you know, I'd go to big sales meetings and just, you know, the alcohol would just flow. And it was like this party hard, play hard mentality, which I absolutely adapted. (laughs) And, um, you know, it, I definitely overdrank and had hangovers and things like that when I was younger. Um, and I would take like a week off. I'd be like, okay, I need to dial this back in now. Got to take a week off detox. I'd maybe go on a cleanse or something like that. Also during this time, I was struggling with my weight. So I would be on a diet or not on a diet or trying some cleanse or diet or going vegan or Adkins. I mean, anything, you know, I was just like, I'd learn about something and then I'd go all in on it. And you know, that lasted for many years. And then I had kids and I drank after the kids were born. And, you know, it just, it just kind of creeped up over time more as an emotional tool for me. So like I would be stressed with the kids or come home from work and be full of anxiety about how I would manage it all. Um, and definitely like, in like my mid thirties, I definitely noticed that I was using it as a coping mechanism. Like I had high anxiety. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how, like if one little thing fell apart during the day or somebody's schedule got off or, you know, something happened, the whole thing would unravel and it was just like overbearing. Um, Mm -hmm. and then it really just like came to a crux. I was working, my husband was working. We were both traveling for our jobs, three kids back to back managing all of that. And I, um, ended up quitting my job and I'm like, I got to figure this out, you know, I started listening to things, podcasts and reading books and just started unraveling stuff. And I found life coaching and learned about why I was drinking. Uh Uh-huh. So it, was there like a low moment that you had? I don't say that there was like this one moment that I had. It was just, it was just this sense of like, what am I doing? Like this, I felt like I was on Groundhog's Day. 
So like that you described in the, in the intro there about the cycle of getting home from work and drinking and putting the kids to bed and then going to bed at night and then waking up and doing that over and over and over. I'm like, there just has to be a better way. That's what I was thinking at the time. Yeah. So that like inner knowing that some might rat. Yeah, totally. Like, yes. I'm like, I remember telling my mom, like, mom, what is the point of all this? Why do we go to work to have this house, to have this car payment, to have the did and like, why? I'm like, I don't want to do this, <laughs> you know? And I just started questioning, like, I don't have to do it like this anymore. That's good. And, yeah. Can you help me understand the difference in your sort of way of looking between alcoholism and over drinking? Because most people who are going to be listening are like, I am not an alcoholic. This episode isn't for me. Right. Right. So we, then we don't look at it at all. So what's the difference mm-hmm. between over drinking and alcoholism? Yeah. I mean, I think there, I can't answer that definitively. What I know and how I define over drinking is if you think that you over drink, you have thoughts like I drank too much last night. Why Mm -hmm. do I keep over drinking? I wish I, why can't I stop at one? And you feel like that's a struggle and you feel like you might be stuck or you've tried to cut back or you like, we'll take a week off or you'll do a dry January or a sober October. And you just kind of creep back into your old ways and you identify with that, then you're probably somebody that overdrinks. It, it's different for everybody. So some people, one drink a night is overdrinking for them. They don't like that. They don't like feeling like they have to have that one drink at the end of the day. And mm-hmm. if they try to stop it, it's a struggle. Mm-hmm. For other people, it's a bottle of wine a night. Mm-hmm. So it really just, it's very individual. Um, the alcoholism thing, that is more a... Um, from my experience, it's more of a physical dependency that you can't function without it. Mm-hmm. So when I am talking to people and if, if we decide to work together, it's like, are you able to take a break for a few days without worrying about with, with withdrawals? Mm-hmm. Like it would be safe for you to not drink for a few days without being monitored by a doctor. So that's mm-hmm. how I differentiate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you feel comfortable doing that coaching and looking at your emotional attattachment to alcohol versus like this physical addiction to it. Does that answer your question? That makes total sense. And what I love about your story is that there wasn't a rock bottom. No. Right. Because if there was a rock bottom, anybody who's listening is like, well, I'm not there yet. Right. Right. I actually have a podcast episode that talks about sometimes how not hitting rock bottom can be worse. Yes. Totally, completely. You know, like, as you suffer along and just, I'm still working, I'm still functioning, I'm taking care of my kids, I'm going to work, we're doing all these things, like we're being responsible. But inside, you have this struggle that isn't so painful that you're forced to do something about it, but it like adds up cumulatively. Right. I was at a gathering. It was like a birthday party or something. And I was joking with a friend and we were having fun. And she said something. She goes, oh, yeah. She, what did she say? She goes, I'm a high functioning, low grade alcoholic. Mm. And she, <laughs> she was joking. But but that's kind of the thing, right? Yeah. Like yeah. there's something going on. I love that definition. In the other podcast that I did, it was very similar. Of If you're wondering if you drink too much, you drink too much right. <laughs> for you. <laughs> For yes. you, right? Yes. For you. Yes. That's interesting. So, oh gosh, tell us more about people out there who are listening and they're like, okay, 
I may be defensive right now. <laughs> um, what, you know, what's going on? So for people who are listening right now and are getting defensive and feeling threatened that maybe you're going to take away their pinotage or whatever it is, yeah. take away their joy, their relaxation. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you say to people who are feeling that right now? I would say like, listen, if this doesn't identify with you, you can just skip it. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, but if, if you're something is like, kind of like, eh, like, kind of like you feel that little internal, like that's annoying. You might want to pay attention. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Because if, I'm sure you talk about this on your podcast and with your clients, but like, you want to listen to those internal flags that are kind of going off. And if you're like, huh, I don't know, you might just want to pay attention here because the thing is with people that over drink and especially women, we get into this pattern of our only joy comes from that cocktail at the end of the day. And that's what you want to pay attention to. If you have thoughts like this is the only thing that I have, this is the only joy I can have at the end of the day. I do and do for everybody else. And I've sacrificed so much in my life or whatever that story is for you. And you look really forward to that end of the day, glass of wine, or whenever you start drinking as your only sense of joy and happiness, that would be something to pay attention to because that's where we get into trouble. Right. And then we've got much bigger problems. Like why isn't your life full of purpose and meaning? Why aren't you enjoying your day? Right. And so if someone wants to stop over drinking, maybe they want to pull the handle back a little bit. What, where would you suggest they begin? That's a good question. So I would just start evaluating. The first step is like seeing where you currently are with everything, right? Like getting some awareness around how you're using alcohol or what your habits are and like what your triggers are. So just starting to notice, like before you just decide to cut back and like go on a diet with it or whatever, you want to just get aware of why you're using it. So notice the patterns. Are you, what are you feeling like at the end of the day? Like just pausing and naming how you feel at the end of the day. Like I'm stressed, I'm bored, um, I'm overwhelmed, right? Like sometimes I'm lonely. Sometimes those just naming that feeling helps you see why you're using alcohol to feel better at the end of the day. Most of the my clients just say, I just had, it's just a habit. Well, habits are formed mm-hmm. <laughs> because we are doing something to, in order to help us feel something different. So when you're using alcohol at the end of the day to unwind or to relax, it's because you currently don't feel relaxed and centered or happy or whatever it is that you're not feeling you're using alcohol. There is a reason to feel something that you don't feel. So that's where I would start. It's just like getting aware. What am I feeling at the end of the day? How how am I hoping to feel? Why do I want to drink? What am I hoping to achieve with drinking this glass of wine? That's the first question you want to ask yourself. And then the next question is just like, okay, so is there another way Mm -hmm, I could mm -hmm. achieve relaxation or to unwind without this glass of wine? And if you're like, oh, hell no, that's (laughs) something to be curious about, right? Like, Mm -hmm. why not go for a walk? Why not listen to a podcast? Why not take a bath, like read a book, do something else that would be nourishing for yourself? You just, if if that's a big, like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine doing that. That's something you want to pay attention to. Totally. This is how, you know, we talk about how we look first at the need and then we identify what's the strategy to get that need. Yes. Right. Like a glass of wine to relax at the end of the day is a great way to meet the need of relaxing. Right. But Mm -hmm. is it the only strategy? 
Right. I remember there was one time when um, I got into a habit where I was having a glass of wine when I was preparing dinner. And I thought, Mm -hmm. really, Sunday? Is this your only strategy? Like, that's all you got? Like, it's super fast and easy and tasty, right? But like, really? Yeah. And I started to switch things up because I thought, no, I got more than that. Right. It's interesting if you wanted to talk about the brain science behind that. Yeah, I do. Please, 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 please. Yeah. So so basically what happens is when you introduce alcohol or something outside of yourself, maybe it's food, maybe it's scrolling on social media, but like you're doing things um, and using something outside of yourself to relieve yourself of something. So maybe you're stressed or bored, like I was mentioning, and you say, okay, I'm going to drink a glass of wine at the end of the day to help me get through dinner. It'll make it more enjoyable. It'll help me relax, whatever. And your brain's like, Ooh, that was nice. Mm -hmm. Right. That was easy. I didn't have to do any effort at all Mm -hmm. to get that hit of dopamine basically. Mm -hmm. And now there's alcohol on the brain. Mm-hmm. So the brain has the motivational triad, right? So this is how we're programmed as a species, seeking pleasure, avoiding pain and saving energy. Mm-hmm. So if you think about alcohol, it's a quick, easy, no energy way to get that hit of pleasure. Yeah. Can you right? say that triad one more time? I think that's really important to focus on. Yeah. So it's seeking pleasure, avoiding pain and saving energy. The motivational right? triad. Yeah. All of that sounds amazing. <laughs> It's always running. It's just how we've survived Mm -hmm. as a species. It's always there. Once you start noticing it, it's really fascinating. So it's like you will always drive the easiest, fastest way to the grocery store or to drop Mm -hmm. your kids off at school or to get to work, right? Mm -hmm. We we look for shortcuts all the time in doing our work. How can I do this faster and cheaper, Mm -hmm. right? Like if you're an entrepreneur, like we just want the less painful way to get there. It's just Mm -hmm. always present. And when you introduce something like alcohol in that moment where you don't really want to be uncomfortable, so like you're stressed or something, you're like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. That's going to help me take the edge off. Mm -hmm. Your brain's like, we like that, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You didn't have to do any effort to get there. And so the next time you feel that way, tomorrow night or on the weekend or whatever it is in a similar situation, your brain's going to be like, ooh. Let's have a glass of wine, right? And the more often you do that, you train your brain to seek that pleasure and get out of the emotional pain that you might be in. So interesting. So we're not, we're, we're just doing it because that's how we're programmed. So how do you help people with you? There's right. nothing, that's what everybody, like, there's nothing wrong with you for having, that's where we want to remove the shame and like, mm-hmm. there's something wrong with me. Why can't I do this? Like, none of that is super helpful. Your brain is programmed to do that. And we live in a society now where we have access to this type of stuff all the time without mm-hmm. having to put any energy or wait for it. We're such a quick, you know, instant gratification type society. Right. And we talked before we hopped on the call about why, why is it that I've noticed there's more alcohol and socializing around alcohol in the expat community. And I think you've just named it. It's, it's available in, in events more often. And it's just, it's just there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a part of our culture for sure. Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. It's a part of the, it sounds like the expat culture, um, definitely in the mom culture, like it's Mm -hmm. just been sold to us as a solution to have a more fun and to relieve ourselves of our issues. It's just ingrained in our society. It's just everywhere. Right. It's just sold to us as this idea of a better time in our life. So what do we, so let's say we've recognized how we feel, 
we've recognized our pattern. We Mm -hmm. want to do it differently. What's the next step? The next step is really consciously deciding that you don't want to drink when you feel like you need it to solve something. Okay. So I recommend that my clients don't make in the moment decisions with alcohol. Mm -hmm. So they plan ahead. And they just like, it's like, you know, people plan ahead with their food or they make a food plan. You make an alcohol plan for the week and like, okay, I'm going to have a couple drinks on Friday, whatever that looks like, whatever your, your ultimate goal is with alcohol. Like if you could imagine an ideal relationship with it, Mm. how much you would be drinking per week, what kind of situations you want to drink in and make like a weekly drink plan that's in alignment with that ideal relationship that you want to have. Wow. I love that. So really visualizing it, having that ideal relationship. Mm -hmm. So we make the plan. Let's say the plan is I'm going to have one drink on a Wednesday and one on a Friday and two on Saturday. Okay. We've got the plan, but that's the relationship we like. Mm -hmm. And then Tuesday rolls around (laughs) (laughs) and you're like, ah, or your friend comes over and like has you know, says, Hey, let's go get a drink. So then what, what do you advise to do in those situations? Then we have to learn how to process urges. Then Mm -hmm. we have to learn how to be uncomfortable on purpose and no, first of all, we're not going to die. Nobody's Mm -hmm. taking anything away from you and it's not an emergency. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. And it's okay that you feel uncomfortable, like learning how to feel those emotions. Like I teach my clients, one of the very basic foundation principles of doing this is learning how to feel your feelings. Mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm. identifying that feeling again, okay, now I feel like I'm missing out or maybe I feel like I'm being deprived or I'm nervous or scared or anxious about going into this situation without drinking, name the feeling, identify it, breathe through it process and tell yourself it's not a problem that you're feeling this way. Mm -hmm. And this is the unraveling of that, pattern, right? So we need to learn how to be with those feelings instead of letting our feelings drive our action of drinking. Right. Because that's the automatic process that we've been in before that has caused the over drinking in the first place. Right. We, I, we, I just, I have a membership group called expats on fire and we did our whole thing around emotions and actually feeling them. Mm. And the default is like, just push it down, right? Like just, just stuff it down. Um, and, and that idea of how do you, how do you sit in discomfort? That, that is, we're not taught to sit in discomfort. We're to escape discomfort, right? Um, it's doing the opposite. What's the value of, What's the reward of sitting in the discomfort? Oh, that's such a good question. So the reward of the discomfort is that you, this is, this is what I tell my people is that you're going to be uncomfortable regardless. So Mm -hmm. if you look at your current relationship with alcohol, there's parts of it that you're uncomfortable with how you feel in the morning. Maybe you're not getting some of the stuff done that you want to do. You know, maybe you're not doing things like reading or, you know, exploring hobbies or interests or relationships, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's impeding you somehow. So that's uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. When you feel stuck with it, that's pretty uncomfortable. So you're trading that discomfort for in the moment discomfort. So when you feel uncomfortable, you work through an urge or you identify your feeling and you process that that's uncomfortable, but there's a payoff on the back end the next day Mm -hmm. that you wake up feeling good and you're able to accomplish some of the things that you 
have not been accomplishing and you have growth and you move towards your goals. Mm -hmm. So that's the payoff. Mm -hmm. It's just a delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. And that, we, that we payoff that. is so much more, you created that payoff, right? right? You didn't rely on something like alcohol to give you that satisfaction mm-hmm. and pleasure. Makes mm-hmm. sense? Totally does. And yeah. I love this idea. You've mentioned this several times. So I just want to pause on that, that the relationship you have with alcohol, we mm-hmm. normally, we think of it as a thing, right? It's a beverage, mm-hmm. right. but what is, if we really step back and talk about our relationship with alcohol, like if, if my relationship with alcohol were a boyfriend, right? Is it codependency? Is it, you know what I mean? Like what, you know, like what would that be? You know, is, is, am I abusing him or is he abusing me? You know what I mean? Like it gives you such an interesting paradigm. Yes. That you could look at. So there's a book called quit the drinkers. Jason Vale wrote it, but it's basically like how to quit alcohol. And he, he, he says, trade your wine for bananas. I can only have one banana a week. And I, if I have more than one banana, it's going to be a problem. And I overate the bananas last night. And now I'm thinking about the, it's like, if you were to trade the wine and compare it, like, it's like crazy, right? Like, wow. Nobody talks about bananas that way, but like with alcohol, (laughs) it's like, you're literally bananas. Oh, that's so good. So yeah, yeah. let's everybody, if now at this point in the podcast, if you still don't know if you have a good relationship with alcohol, <laughs> replace it with banana and you will now yes. know. Yes. Right. right. Yeah. That's huge. Okay. Yeah. So let me just make sure I'm tracking here. We're going to check in on how we're feeling. Yeah. Um, we're going to try to understand what needs are not being met, right? Be honest with that and notice how we're feeling. We're sticking with the Mm -hmm. feelings. We're going to allow ourselves space to be uncomfortable, right? Um, And I'm guessing practicing sitting through the discomfort. So what strategies can you reach to when you're in the moment, like that moment where you're like, am I gonna, or am I gonna not? Like, Mm -hmm. what do you Mm -hmm. reach to in that exact, that I think there's probably like a five second window yeah. Right. Where you make the right, you know, the, the decision you want to, that's in alignment with your ideal relationship yeah. or one that you don't like, what do we do yeah. in those five seconds? The first thing is just recognizing that you want it. Mm-hmm. Like you can just say, I, I can recognize that I want this right now. And then I have an urge or right. There's some pressure or something that's happening. I just need to recognize that and verbalize that for myself, whether that's just in my head or out loud to somebody else, whatever. And just acknowledge that you do want it and it's okay. Mm -hmm. That's where people get into trouble is that they push that want away and they're like, no, here it comes. I'm going to white knuckle my way through this urge. And they're like, hold their breath. And like, I can't, I can't do it. I said I wasn't going to drink. And it's just like this miserable suffering. And they're like literally clenching up and not breathing. So you just want to recognize I'm having a want for it and it's okay. Of course I have a desire for it. I've trained my brain to want this right now. This is not a problem. What does this feel like? Where am I? Like, get out of your head. This is the next step. Get out of your head and stop thinking about it and go into your body and have your brain focus on where that energy is in your body. Am I, am I feeling a tightness in my throat? So this is what you would, okay, where am I feeling this? Is it in the pit of my stomach? Is it in my chest? Is it in my jaw? And when you notice where there's some sort of tension, you just take a deep cleansing breath and you just use your breath to allow space to be there and tell yourself, it's okay. I'm having a vibration in my body and you just mm-hmm. breathe through it. 90 seconds. Right. Boom. And, and then by that time, it. yeah. 
Yeah. If you can just acknowledge it and bring it conscious to the conscious level and breathe, that is just enough of a break to be like, okay, can I just have five minutes? How about I just give myself five minutes and see what happens? Mm -hmm. Usually that's enough. And it just takes practice. And And the thing is you may not, right. You may end up drinking and that's okay, but give yourself some credit for that, that you actually did work on some of it. And maybe you delayed it by five minutes and maybe tomorrow you'll delay it by 10 minutes and Mm -hmm. and so forth. So celebrate that you are working on it and that you've, you're acknowledging it and getting familiar with those types of feelings. What are some really pragmatic tips that you have for people when they're trying to change their relationship with alcohol. For example, we do Taco Tuesday. I love a good beer with a taco, but we're like, Hey, there's also really good alcohol-free beer, right? Like, you know, what are some pragmatic things that you've seen be successful in your clients' lives? Yeah. I think just trying, just like give yourself an opportunity to try without drinking. Mm -hmm. Just experiment. Just like, what would it be like? This is like, think about it in a fun way. What would it be like is like a social experiment to go to one of your functions, like, and meet new people and sit there and not have a drink in your hand, Mm -hmm. like observe that for yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, like what, what is coming up in your head? I mean, it's not, it it sounds, I know it sounds like it might be terrible for most people. Like I can't imagine doing that, Mm -hmm. but like, think about what an interesting conversation that would be. I am at this new function. I don't know anybody. And I'm sitting here noticing my thoughts and feelings about not drinking. Mm -hmm. That will open up a whole different dialogue and interesting conversations than you've never had in your life. Like just try it. Just put yourself out there and try different situations, plan to have an interesting mocktail. Um, Really it's, it's, it comes down to planning. Like that's the most useful tip that I have. Don't make in the moment decisions around alcohol anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's great because if you're trying yeah. to change what you eat, you would plan in advance, you go shopping, right. you would do it differently. Yes. Yeah. So you have chosen to, if I'm not, if I've understood correctly, you don't drink, right? You're, right. Mm-hmm. So what is that? How do you help people decide whether they're going to renegotiate their relationship with alcohol and have mm-hmm. it, like we said, you know, mm-hmm. two days a week or whatever it is, or it's better for them to just go cold turkey? Yeah. I mean, it's such a personal decision. So in my, I have a six month coaching program, so that's a a pretty good amount of time to really explore what that looks like for people. Um, It gives you a chance to take a break if you want to for a month or a week or longer. It helps you can plan your drinks and really evaluate what each of those experiences is like. So at the end of the time, you feel like you've tried it all and you can decide what that looks like for yourself going forward. I also like to never plan to not drink. Mm. I when I started this in my own journey, I just I just wanted to stop over drinking and I never thought that I would end up quitting. And I still keep that window open for myself like I could drink. Mm-hmm. I, I don't say that I'm sober or that I'm never going to drink again, or I'm in recovery. Like I have just through my own work with this and reducing my desire and my dependency on it. Um, I just don't like it anymore. I don't like the way the buzz feels. I just don't like, I lose my clarity and my creativity. Like I just don't like that feeling anymore. So I choose not to, but I also leave that open because to me, it just feels better to like not put that restriction on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, to saying that I'm never going to drink again. I might. Right. And if I do, I don't worry about it. Right. Does that answer your question? Totally. And so what about those people who are listening and they're like, yeah, I kind of wouldn't mind trying this, you know, this would be kind of interesting, but they've got a partner that over drinks. 
and doesn't think they overdrink, right? Or it doesn't even matter, right? Whatever it is, is their partner is not on the same game. What advice do you have for individuals that are in that situation? Yeah. My best advice is to really just focus on yourself. Like we can't change other people. And so much of, I've had such a strong experience with this. Like when I was doing all those diets and programs and cleanses and wanting to take breaks for all those years, I would make my husband do them with me. (laughs) And it was not a good time. Let me just Mm -hmm. tell you. It's like, then I would be resentful. Well, they're not being supportive and this is what we want to be working on. And I would push it and push it. And then I would just end up saying, screw it myself because I needed that support from them in order for me to be successful. And it does not work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just mm-hmm. doesn't. So my advice is to take all the energy and just focus it on you and love the heck out of your person anyway. And like not judge them for drinking, let them be them. And I promise you, that if you do that, they will come along. They always do. All of my clients, spouses and partners and husbands like end up changing their relationship by because your influence mm-hmm. naturally in the household or whatever, it will influence them to start making better decisions without you having to say a word about it. Right. right. So it's hard. I mean, that is a big objection that I hear a lot of times is like my all my family and friends drink. It's like with this expat community, like everybody drinks around us, right? So just let them do them. Yep. Totally. You just work on you and share if you want to, but like when you can just take the energy and focus on you, you're so much more successful. Right. If you are working on your relationship with alcohol and you're cutting down, but you are failing or you're not as successful as you want to be, the other very strong piece of advice I would like to give is you have to stop shaming yourself, healing your relationship with alcohol. That's almost the most important thing to do when you do over drink, don't beat yourself up about it. It does not help you drink less. And I think everybody can resonate with that. If you're still over drinking and you're hard on yourself, it's not a solution. So you want to be curious. Why, why did I make a decision to drink last night? Find some self-compassion and love for yourself because the shame thing is a serious issue that we have so much shame around this. We don't want to talk about it. We don't admit it. Right. And there's nothing wrong with you. And you can do it, but you got to let go of that. I felt I had that word shame over my head, like a blanket when you were talking, this is instinctually like once someone listens to this and they're ready to make a change, they're going to have a flood of shame for having gone to that space. Right. So I'm hearing you center Mm self-compassion in that. And that is a, a foreign language for a lot of people. Yeah. How cool is this? Like on the other side of all of this, you've learned to do more emotional regulation. Yeah. You've learned more self-compassion. You've been able to name your needs, right? Mm -hmm. You've thought of creative strategies to get those needs met. Like even if you don't over drink, these are all amazing skills to develop. Absolutely. Yeah. Loving, learning how to love yourself and being easy on yourself and no matter what, having your own back on all sides of it, even when you don't follow through on what you're saying you do, whether it's drinking or business or whatever it is, not being hard on yourself is never a solution for any of it. So any other final thoughts that you want to leave our listeners with before they go and speed off to get your first course or (laughs) sign up for your newsletter? (laughs) The main message, if I can do it, so can you. I mean, I was a party girl for 20 plus years and I got married in a winery in California. 
and my husband and I are still together. His relationship with alcohol has changed. I mean, I've not lost any friends from this. I've gained more friendships. It's absolutely possible if you want to do it. Yeah, so great. And you're super fun and energetic and all of that good stuff, right? Yeah. Yes. All right. So we have put in the show notes, all the things like to get your podcast, to get you on Instagram and all the spaces. So if you want to know more about Angela, check out the show notes, because what I, my hunch is that there are some people here who've heard this and they're like, yep, I got it. I'm ready. And there might be some other people out there who are like, okay, but I wouldn't mind someone standing by my side, right? So this is yeah. this is a great, a great thing to offer. Thank you so much for being here, Angela. This was Thank amazing. Thank you for having me. It was so fun. Angela offers so much for us to think about, even if you're not an overdrinker. It starts with really getting clear with naming how you feel. So you can see, well, what am I feeling right now? And what strategy am I going to, to get rid of that feeling, right? She helped us understand how our brain works. We're programmed to seek pleasure, avoid pain and save energy, kind of giving us permission to be human and understand why we have the habits that we do, but also look at what we can do instead to serve us better. I also love how she talked about pausing and sitting in the discomfort, even just 90 seconds to notice it where it's at, and then give us some space to respond differently, to create a new outcome for whatever challenge we're facing. This has been a wonderful episode behind the scenes as we've been focusing on in this series about things we just don't give enough time to in our globally mobile lives. So if you want more of this, check out the other episodes in the series of Expat Untold. And don't miss her upcoming challenge happening called The Boost. Challenges Inside Expats on Purpose are noted from our members among the highlights of the year to give you momentum and your progress, a big boost. So join us, it's five days of small actions and large traction. We will boost your focus, mindset, energy, relationships, and impact. So you ready to boost the second half of 2021? We are. So join us and check it out in the show notes. You've been listening to Expat Happy Hour with Sunday Schneider Bean. Thank you for listening. I'll leave you with the words of Tori Amos. Girls, you've got to know when it's time to turn the page.